This episode of Friendless is presented by the Saskatchewan Podcast Network. My sweet babies, welcome back to a brand new episode of Friendless, the only show about losing every Facebook friend I've ever made, one hour at a time. As always, I am your host, James Avramenko. This week on the show, I have a former co-worker of mine from Persephone Theatre, as well as an alumnus of the poetry scene here in Saskatoon, the one and only Stephen Rutherford. Stephen and I talk about catch-all jobs and not-for-profits, coping with quarantine like an astronaut, what won't go back to normal when things open back up again, the collapse of context through digital media, sharing plates of cheeseburgers, and surprising friends with hidden talents. Stick around to the end of the show for some quick updates about Friendless, but as always, that is then and this is now. Let's just get right into it, and for now, lay back and enjoy my interview with Stephen Rutherford here on Friendless. What I'm actually really curious about is what sort of led you to um, that job within the theater, um, because you, 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 from what I understand about your outside, and you obviously, I'd love to hear you speak more on it yourself. Um, uh, you have like a graphic design background, and I know you also have a, like a spoken word background, and so I'm just curious how those things kind of coalesce into um, you you know, spending most of your day in the back room of a theater. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so I sort of, I was involved with Ty's poetry for a number of years, which is uh, in Saskatoon. It's a local spoken word show that happens weekly. Uh, mm-hmm. I was on the board for a couple of years after sort of being host for a while when it first started out. Uh, and also did like poster design and stuff for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, and I worked basically doing graphic design and other stuff before that. Uh, and before that, uh, back when I was in university, I was like a, a camera operator slash sort of general, like student worker person uh, gotcha. at the like remote broadcast, f- like section or, of things um, okay. at the university. Uh, so like sort of like Jack of all trades, content creator i guess would be the modern take on it did you have a specific subject that you were studying or were you just in sort of like the the av club for university uh i was mostly like in university i sort of like vacuumed up all the courses they did they had at the Mm. time dealing with sort of like digital art or anything that was like mixed media enough that i could kind of do my own thing um and then also painting which i haven't done in a while but uh right. was helpful in terms of like learning color and visual composition stuff and so on um and i kind of like part of the reason i got applied for the job at persephone uh initially anyway was that at the time i was like what i want to do is i want to work for like a non-profit arts organization uh, mm. and then they had like a job listing that was like, 
uh, initially I was supposed to work in box office as well. And that never really happened. I worked in the back mm. office, but I never ended up selling tickets. Um, <laughs> yeah. They have and... that weird little, st- they have that weird little station, like in the back corner of the box office office. Right. Is that where you were positioned? Yeah. Uh, it was less fortified in those days. Um, <laughs> Because like now it's like a proper office. At the time, there was just like a bookshelf in front of it to kind of separate it. Um, uh, but yeah, I started out back there and then was eventually moved upstairs uh, and shifted desks around a couple times up there. Uh, and yeah, so I sort of like, I started off as one of those sort of like, here do this very weird mix of things. Uh, <laughs> and sort of like my sort of unusual mix of skills and stuff ended up working out pretty well. Uh, and Definitely. I do a similar thing now too. So, and you're, so you're doing um, like advertising and graphic design for TCU place, right? Yeah. Uh, they're the local like theater and convention center and not the rink one. So, so what are you, uh, so you're working from home and, um, how have you been spending, you know, the last, the last couple of months? Um, I know we saw each other, I guess this would have been, well, I know we saw late, Octo- like late August into like early September, but we haven't really been able to see each other since then. And I'm just wondering, what are you, what else are you kind of, how are you coping with, with all the, the, <laughs> I always use, I always very begrudgingly use the term, the new normal, but then I feel like. <laughs> I use it so often that I basically can't pretend to be sarcastic about it. I'm just asking the question. (laughs) Like, I mean, maybe Shanda has a more objective viewpoint on this. My, my partner. Uh, Mm. uh, But like, I feel like I've been handling it surprisingly well, like better than I would (laughs) have anticipated. Um. I don't know. I've been thinking lately about like sort of like the there's a recent one that I forget the name of, but like, the, you know, movies that are like about astronauts or uh, like the one surviving person or whatever. And sort of like they're sure. like just isolated for months at a time. Yeah. Uh, and I feel like I would be like better at that type of thing than I would have previously given myself credit for. Uh <laughs> What do you think is the, what's the thing that's, uh, I mean, other than maybe the obvious ones, what do you think is the thing that's like altered, how do I put this? What do you think is the thing that's sort of altered irreparably for you so that even when like, even when everything opens up and we get vaccinated and, you know, we're, we're, we're supposedly back to normal, what do you think is the thing that you're just not going to be able to go back to? I think like one of the things that, I think at least it's going to take me a while to get used to again is like all of the, those sort of like natural instincts around personal space and stuff. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Like, just like I'm, I'm intensely aware of how close other people are to me in public spaces now and stuff Mm. in a way Mm -hmm. that like people would have to get a lot closer previously for those instincts to kick in. Um, well, and especially now too, with the way we know about like the clouds that we make while we talk, and the way we like we don't just take up our physical space, but we take up this other sphere around us of like germs and grossness and how 
like people don't wash their hands after they poo in public and you know and it's like it just knowing all this other factor i'm i'm in total agreement it's going to be really hard to be like <laughs> near people right mm-hmm. and it's just sort of like that because i don't know i've been sort of like taking note of it and like just my those like instinctual level things those things that like you don't necessarily even notice unless you're looking for them uh like your behavior on sort of a gut level has changed at least a little bit. Um, Definitely. And I think that's sort of like, because it's on that level, it's going to be harder to change back sort of like, I think eventually things will go back to normal, but I think it's the things that you don't think about uh, and just sort of instinctually do the changes that have come about is in that level of, existence or whatever you want to call it are probably going to be the hardest to bring back because they're not things you intentionally changed anyway. Well, it's, yeah, that exactly. I I think that's the thing that is, is doing my head in the most when I think about this kind of thing. Cause I also, you know, there's this part of me that's like, I don't want it to go back to normal because what was normal was wrong. You know, what, the way we were so casually wasteful, the way we were so casually, um, ambivalent to the world it, it was wrong and so I don't want it to be normal again like I want us to actually take some goddamn lessons from this you know um, mm. and I don't I don't know if we're going to I mean I you know one thing I think a lot about is how so much of the rhetoric now has gone from somehow making haircuts political to now being about how vaccines will save us. And aren't, aren't we all so grateful for Dolly Parton because somehow she's connected to saving the world with vaccines, but that completely and overtly ignores the vitriol and the rhetoric around anti-vaxxing that has been nothing but growing in the last 15 years. And so it's like, there are countries in this world who are already essentially, who have essentially eradicated COVID in their country by, you know, following procedure, by washing your hands and socially distancing and wearing masks and staying the fuck home, paying your citizens to stay home until it's gone. And and North America has steadfastly refused to do that. But instead now we're like, but then, you know, we're all going to spike up sometime in May and then we're all going to be saved. And I'm like, no, like, that's bullshit. Like, if we if we're reliant purely on vaccine, we're fucked. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I, I just can't help but feel like, you know, we've spent almost a year in quarantine and we're not learning a single thing from it. Right. And I, and so I don't know. I'm, I'm very. Yeah, I don't know. I, I realized that was a digression. I apologize. But um, but it's like coming back to the thing about like, you know, what's going to be normal. And it's like it's the stuff like, um, you know, people are putting on sort of plays with masks and stuff and i'm like it's still not the same because when i went to the theater before i wasn't afraid that i was going to potentially you know kill someone or be killed or like transmit a disease that would kill my mother you know like i i could just go to a play and enjoy it and i don't think that that's going to be possible for a really long time if if you know if really psychologically ever right yeah and also like one of the things that i've really found my myself missing is like just going to a coffee shop and like sitting and reading or writing or just like having a coffee and thinking about my day doing things casually in a way that you can't really know because like technically yes i can go to a coffee shop and i'll just be just sort of like low-key worried the whole time both like somewhat for my own health but also like afraid that i'll have something i don't know 
and someone else will die or get very sick or whatever because I decided to have a coffee. That's just it. It really demonstrates the narcissism of the of the culture by like where, you know, people who now are like going to coffee shops or going to bars or going to these places. It's like, you know, on one hand, I get it because like usually these people are people who have never been able to quarantine or, or to shelter in mm-hmm. place. They've continued to have jobs. They've continued to have to go out. So they sort of feel like they deserve to. And that I get it on one level. At the same time, too, it's like it's nothing but sadism to make waiters and servers and baristas and all these different jobs continue to serve you when it's like Mm -hmm. you know like these people should be at home they should be paid to stay home we should be fucking killing this thing at the source and instead you just desperately need another mocktail you know like you fucking sociopaths (laughs) and not just that but also like the restaurant industry and I think the bar industry as well have always been ones with very narrow margins for making money. Uh, And so like operating at like 40 or 20 or whatever percent capacity, like it's impossible. That doesn't, it can't work. Um, And it feels like by not shutting things down, at least for like some kind of circuit breaker lockdown or something, it feels like basically a way of abdicating responsibility on the government's part for actually Mm -hmm. helping businesses. Well, speaking of ownership, right? Speaking of ownership of buildings and and the way that like CERB was essentially just like a landlord subsidy and and just the way that, um, you know, the way that like everybody else is being forced to go back to work. But where the fuck are the landlord's jobs? You know, what's their job? What's, you know, like, oh, oh, you had equity 30 years ago. So you're allowed to just kick back and chill. Like, like, I don't know. I just there's a lot there's a lot that this pandemic is digging out. It, it's really much, it's very much turning over the, 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 the boulders and showing all the, all the bugs that are hiding in the dark. The problem that I see is that like, we're not really working on shooing those bugs away. We're more just sort of working on rolling the boulder back, <laughs> you mm-hmm. know? And, uh, and that's, that's troubling for me. Right. But- One of the things that this has made evident to me, like in terms of like government responses, at like the provincial level and national levels in some countries and so on. Like, I feel like this is, it's a large social problem. Uh, I mean, like many others, but it's something that affects us on a societal level. Uh, And if someone's political philosophy is primarily something that revolves around like individual responsibility, uh, it seems like they're unlikely to take the type of measures that are needed to, needed to deal with something that is like society wide like many most of the governments that have actually done something have done it by basically forcing people to take precautions uh rather than relying on them to listen to the evidence uh and medical professionals and if someone's political philosophy is very much based around personal responsibility as like the primary thing that should be respected at all costs the governments uh, and officials yeah like it's something that government responsibility for like this is what it's for Uh, yes and if you don't believe that government is a force that can be used for good or that regulation is a force that can be used to respond to crises then it's unlikely uh, that you can deal with something this big effectively.
I don't know, have you read or heard at all about the idea that one of the issues, I guess, with social media as it like is currently a force in the world or whatever, is the sort of like contextual collapse it creates um, mm. in the sense that like in normal human relationships for most of the span of our existence as a species and probably before that, I guess, uh, before we were quite human or whatever, uh, right. like the exist usually you like, like maybe you move to a new place or something and you're around new people, but generally speaking, your community was the people who were around you long enough to know what you were really like. Uh, and if you like said something dumb or whatever, then like they had that sort of context to weigh it against. Uh, and getting to so right. know someone on a deep level was the matter of sort of like a gradual, like intimate revelation uh, of what you're like as a person and your innermost thoughts and so on. And now we sort of exist in this state where like we share sometimes our innermost thoughts with this sort of like audience of hundreds of thousands of strangers who uh, don't give a shit. Who don't give a shit and also don't have like the idea that each of our thoughts exists in a contextless void and is completely disconnected from all of our previous or future existence. Yeah. Uh, and not just that, but like goes outside of like a community of people who know us even tangentially, but to, yeah. to millions of strangers potentially who have no concept of our existence as like physical beings even because we're just, just words like to a, them we're just words and wow. we'll be forgotten tomorrow so like that sort well, of contextual collapse is at the core of what social media is but also kind of explains like the effects it has and what yeah. it does as a force god that is fascinating i i i've i i i'm i'm gonna start doing some googling on that because that is absolutely <laughs> fascinating and it's really what i'm driving at so thank you for introducing that to me because it's um yeah i mean i i think about that all the time about how dehumanizing it is right how we're not really like we're to just to, to a stranger we're the occasional photo that we post and then text and and text is so dangerous because it's it's without con it's a you know without context but it's also without all the other forms of communication that go into how humans communicate. Um, I always get the number wrong, but but verbal communication is only something like like thirty or forty percent of the way humans communicate. Like the vast majority of the way we actually interact with each other is is nonverbal. And so when we're you know whether it's a tick or a cue or a hand wave or a smile or a glance or a shrug or whatever it might be where we point our toes you know all these things play into a conversation um, and when we boil it down to just the words more often than not it becomes nonsense and so it's very difficult to actually interpret the truth out of it you know and um, you know you you can't type sarcasm you know you can't type. Um, you know, glibness. And so, and, and, and I mean, obviously though, I think those things are being overly abused because I think we're rapidly desensitizing and alienating ourselves from sincerity, but um, <laughs> that's a whole other can of worms though. But uh... Does money spark joy in your life or cause you stress? If you said stress, you're not alone for 42% of Canadians, their biggest stressor comes from money. 
At Conexus, they care about your financial well-being. Money doesn't have to be stressful, and Conexus is here to help. The Conexus hashtag Money Talk blog provides expert advice, tips, and solutions for all life stages and events. Getting married, buying a house, budgeting, saving, they cover it all, and more. And did I mention it's free? Check it out today at ConnexusMoneyTalk.ca and start feeling confident and stress-free about your money. What would be your most vivid memory of our friendship? My most vivid, I had to think about this for a bit, but for me, like the most vivid memory of our friendship uh, is something that I was like as much a witness to as anything, but it was Uh. when your wife, Jenica, surprised you uh, with a plate full of cheeseburgers from McDonald's equal to your age on your birthday in rehearsal. (laughs) I love what I love what a what a what an infamous story that became for everyone because it was like I mean that was my best birthday right like that was like I was I was rehearsing the play that I wanted to be in I was the I was the role I had wanted for like a year and then and you know when we're in rehearsal and and I'm so excited everything's fun and then around the corner comes a plate of cheeseburgers (laughs) (laughs) and like and like what a just what a joyful experience that was. And just like how I, you know, I'm just so glad that everybody got to participate in that, you know, and, and I'm so glad you were there and were able to pop in. And I think you even, I think Carol even picked you up like a spare just in case or something. Yeah. <laughs> Cause she was like, I don't know if James is going to want to share. And it's like, who do you think I am? I'm just going <laughs> to sit and eat 31 cheeseburgers in front of all of you. Like what? Who do you, do you think I am Carol? I'm not that mean, right? <laughs> um, you know, for me, you know the one, you know what I always think about? Um, um, and it actually relates back to uh, maybe this isn't quite the most vivid memory, but but it's something I think of quite often is um the first time I actually saw you recite a poem at uh I think you were guest hosting, or maybe you were doing like a sacrificial poet um at one of the slams and uh mm-hmm. and because you know w- w- you know at that time we didn't really know each other very well we knew each other very you know passingly tangentially like we'd sort of like we'd catch up at opening nights and stuff like that right and um and mm-hmm. uh and you got up and you recited just this beautiful beautiful love poem and uh and i remember and i was already pretty drunk because i for slams especially i have to get really drunk to get the confidence to go up because like i i i don't score very well at slams i I don't i don't do very well at those and um and so to continue to have the courage to get up i usually have to get pretty soaked up you know and um and i remember you getting off the stage and i was just like you know like i was just so like shocked and you were like (laughs) You were almost like a little insulted that I was that amazed. <laughs> and I don't, I don't remember exactly what you said, but you were something like, it was just something along the lines of like, yeah, I write poetry. Like, why is this a big deal? <laughs> and I remember being like, oh yeah, don't be a dick, James. <laughs> I think part of that reaction, I think too, is that like, I'm going to I'm going to expand this beyond just me and maybe I think creative people in general is sure. that I tend to think that like if I can do something 
it's not that big a deal. Uh, and the impressive thing is like the stuff that other people do, which like, of course, like, I'm not saying that I'm by any means the best or anything like that, but sort of like the stuff that I do is the stuff that I do. And it's hard to have any idea how good you are or not. Certainly Mm -hmm. you'll have a lot of feelings about it, but like, you're so intimately connected with what you create that it's almost yeah. impossible to be objective about it especially too when um i think the other side of that too is when when you meet somebody and they're you know they fit these sort of parameters in your mind right they sort of start to and and we all do it and it's a it's definitely a natural inclination it's maybe a wrong in- inclination but it's natural of like when you start to meet people they start to slip into boxes of like okay i've encountered these types of traits so that's where I'm going to put them and this is who I'm going to believe they are. And then, and then every once in a while that that person will surprise you. And so it's like, you know, I knew you as, as quiet, reserved, um, you know, graphic designer and, and, and marketing person. And then you get up and you recite this, this incredible love poem. Right. And it's like, it's just so wildly different from what I had known about you. Right. And, and I love those moments, you know, those are my favorite moments to, to, to demonstrate like the breadth of the, the the human existence within a single body right it's not just like we're not um we're not just the 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 thing we we choose to show to the world right and mm-hmm. and again it comes back to it's another big problem i find with with social media and the internet is that we're being forced to like self niche almost, you know, Mm. we have to like, we have to choose the one thing we're interested in and forevermore, that will be the caricature that the world knows us as. And if you choose to do a a YouTube channel about wrestling, you will forever be just the wrestling guy. And you, how dare you ever have interest anywhere else, you know? And, and it's so boring. Yeah. It's like define your brand and find your niche and then market towards those people. And it's like, well, I feel like there's a sort of like fundamental divide behind, I don't know, sort of like the founding ideas behind social media and like what works on it in practice and what it's become. Because I feel like, and this is true of a lot of sort of the early internet, like I had like a uh, tripod site, which was like GeoCities. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, nice. And... Like, early on, I feel like everyone had their weird, like, Pokemon fan page or whatever. And it was, like... Yeah, sure. Often poorly executed, but extremely earnest and excited about sort of, like, sharing the things that are special to you. Yes. Uh, And early social media, like, that was sort of... The the idea was about self-expression and about, supposedly anyway, like, sort of, to some degree, sharing your authentic self or a window into your life or whatever. Yeah. And us like ostensibly that's still true, but work, what works <laughs> well is like a carefully curated content release schedule with a lot of yep. thought put into it about audience, about meeting metrics, maximum uh, about, impact of when you yeah. share and all that. Yep. Um and it becomes this sort of thing where there's still that sort of like pretense of authenticity, but in order to do well, it's a weird sort of business that you have to put a lot of thought into if you want to make it big that way which i don't particularly on a personal level um but i do like social media stuff for work and so on and like it's useful to know that but i feel like the sort of the theoretical ideology inter 
underpinning the whole thing is fundamentally at odds with like the business model and what it takes to succeed at it. Yep. Well, and that too, it's like, you know, uh, it's like we're not allowed to really enjoy anything anymore. We're, we're, we're expected to commodify everything we like and, and we're all supposed to be, you know, you know, our own bosses and we're supposed to be these, everybody's an entrepreneur and what, what are you hustling? And, and it's just so boring to me because it's like, you know, like this show, right? This show is like, it's just something fun that I do. And, and like not many people listen to it and I'm perfectly happy with that. Like, it's not, um, it's not the thing that I expect to have on my tombstone. You know what I mean? And, 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 and yet we're, that's what we're sort of expected to, present ourselves as is is um these like yeah i don't know social influence just yeah creeps me out you know with 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 what we've seen in terms of the way society has has adapted has refused to adapt um how friendships have morphed and grown and you know uh, bloomed on zoom and all these other platforms. Um, and, you know, we're recording this just before the new year's it'll come out about, you know, it'll be out in mid January, but, um, mm -hmm. but uh, when we're recording it, it's just before the new year, new year's Eve. And um, I guess I'm just curious with, for you, Stephen, looking forward, what do you think it's going to take to be a good friend in 2021? A stable internet connection. <laughs> That's such a good answer. It's it's kind of a joke answer, but like, I don't know. I do think a bit about like how much of our uh, communicate, like our access to other people is so linked in with technology in a way that I feel like is not normally the case. Yeah. Um, uh, and also like that makes it worth thinking about like, okay, what happens to people who don't have stable internet connections exactly. and don't have that easy access to something that suddenly went from like, like reasonably required or like a, required a fair amount to something that like suddenly everything relies on. Yeah. Um, and I guess also like to me, one of the things I've noticed is that I've had to be more active in uh, seeking out the companionship or digital uh, conversations with friends in a way that like requires a lot more forethought and stuff maybe than like mm. just asking a friend out for coffee or something sure. like it's sort of, and also like there's a lot more like checking of mics and uh, like seeing how the recording is going or whatever. Um, <laughs> uh, not a dig at you, not a dig at you. I love like, it though. Of, it's good. Uh but like there's a there is that like addition of that technical layer on onto yes. everything into everyday communication the way that um, i feel like the new the new normal sentence is you're still muted right yeah. that's the new gre greeting <laughs> and not just that but like suddenly everyone like we for christmas we did like a um like a present opening on christmas morning with Shanda's family via um I can't remember Facebook Messenger, I guess. Okay. Uh, and like, just like this, the 
setup and stuff and making sure that everyone can either be seen by the camera uh, or like that the the sound is yeah. going okay and stuff like that. It, it has that like extra layer of like, I don't know, uh, audiovisual like testing and competence and stuff that like generally yeah. family gatherings have not required until now. You know, it's interesting that we grew up with cartoons like the Jetsons and we were so excited about screens being everywhere and being able to video call everywhere. You know, I think about back to the future too. And, and, and now that we've got it, we realized that we should have never wished for that. You know, that mm-hmm. it was the wrong, it was the wrong dream. We shouldn't have been dreaming for video calling because <laughs> it's exhausting, you know, and I, 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 um, you know, I'm so grateful for the technology. And at the same time, too, I just like I I just I really miss hugging people. I really miss yeah. touch. and I really miss just, you know, just little things. I just miss being able to like, yeah, I just miss being able to like pat somebody on the back or, you know, or mm-hmm. kind of give them a little tap on the shoulder or you know give him a hug goodbye or you know like i just i genuinely miss the nearness of bodies you know and and um and yeah i don't see that coming back anytime soon vaccine or no vaccine you know so it's uh it's still gonna be 10 i miss casual human socialization yes uh, which is probably the most alien way i could phrase that but Like I miss being able to like, you see someone that you haven't seen in a while and they're an acquaintance and you like hug or whatever. And then you talk from within like three feet of each other. Isn't that the fucking worst worry? Oh my God. I'll see people on like our walks. We'll go for walks and I'll see people. And now we have to take a step back when we see them, you know? Mm -hmm. And it's like, it feels so unnatural and, and, and it's like, it's good. I mean, I'm not like, you know, I'm not like, I'm not trying to sound like I'm, you know, fighting against the ordinances. It's, we should be doing them more. Mm-hmm. It just sucks, right? It sucks. You know, I see, you know, I, I, I ran into a friend's roommate uh, about a month ago and I hadn't seen him in like a year and a half. And I was so excited to see him. It was just so nice to run into this guy. And, and yeah, we see each other on the street and we have to step back. And my natural inclination is just to like run up and give him a big hug. Right. And it sucks, you know, and, um but listen steven we have to wrap this up and i'm very yeah. sorry to say we have one last thing that we got to do before uh, i yes. hang up on you so steven rutherford here we go all right we are no longer facebook friends oh <laughs> there we go i see that was a. Uh... What does it say? What does it say for you? I always love to. Does it pop up? Does it say like "add friend" now? It says "add friend" now. It just like right, it. just finished loading right after you unfriended me. <laughs> well, good riddance. Um, That's it. Thanks again to Steven for coming on the show. I wish him all the best in the new year and dare to dream we're going to get to see each other sometime soon. If you liked the show, let your friends know. Do it. Call them up. Ask how they've been. Tell them you love them. And then 
tell them all about this podcast that you love and cherish and want to help grow an audience base. Share the links, review the episodes, unless you're giving anything other than a five-star review. Because really, if you're not giving me five stars, why are you bothering? Be a friend. Give me five stars. God damn it. <laughs> um, I know I promised some more news uh, at the end of the show, and I realize I actually don't really have anything to report on. Um, I have put Butthead up on Amazon. Uh, it's on the print-on-demand. So if your excuse for not buying a copy in December was that you really wanted to cut Jeff Bezos in on profiting off of my writing, now is your chance. Uh, the link is in the show notes, so if you want to, check it out. I'm kind of proud of it, but honestly... After seeing Amanda Gorman perform, I immediately felt old and useless. So, you know, there's that. Anyway, I will be back next week with another episode you won't want to miss because you never want to miss any episodes because they're all the best one yet. <laughs> I hope you have a great week and I will catch you next time. But as always, that is then and this is now. So for now, I'll say I love you and I'll catch you soon. Fun and safety, y'all.